When looking at the brokenness that we see in the world, we often ask the question, where is God? And if God exists, is he really good? And if God is good and he exists and he is God, like he says, and he's all-powerful, why doesn't he step in and stop some of the evil and suffering we see in the world? Why doesn't he use his power to stop these things and to bring a change? There was one young man who asked this question. He even used this question to move him away from Christianity. Then one day, his argument for not accepting Christianity turned on him because he suddenly realized, why do I have this idea in my heart of the way the world ought to be? I mean, surely if I had this idea of perfection and amazing moral standards, where does it come from? Why don't I just accept the world for the way it is? Anyway, this led the young man on a journey, uh, searching for answers, until one day he actually received Christ and he became a Christian. And that young man was C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis was basically, he became one of the, the greatest defenders of the Christian faith. The point I'm making this morning is that there are many questions in life that we really need answered. And the deepest questions in life are th is something that only the gospel can answer. So this morning, we are starting our first sermon in the series Gospel Fluency, which is known as the gospel message. Now, the word gospel comes from a Greek word, which basically means good news, good tithings, or a reward for good news. And obviously, that good news is speaking about the work that Jesus did on the cross, uh, his work on the cross and his ministry in, in being resurrected and being the hope of the world. And obviously with Easter, we've been reminded of that, of God's incredible love for us, why he sent his son to the cross to die for us and give us hope of eternal life. So this morning, we're going to unpack this message known as the gospel. You might ask why we're going to unpack this message. I mean, probably quite a few people who are listening might have received the message. But firstly, I want to say, have you seen the news lately? We are in need of some good news. There is such depressing stuff around us. Yes, it is reality, but we really need some good news. And if we have good news that is life-transforming, surely it needs to fill our hearts and our minds to the point where we are sharing it with everyone around us, regardless of who they are, and at every possible opportunity. And the second reason is... I think as humans, we are kind of asking with all the crises and pandemics in the world, we are asking, what is the real solution? To provide a real solution, you have to diagnose what is actually wrong with the world. And that's why it's very important. And I know during the crises that we've had up until this point, a lot of people have taken a humanist approach where they say man can fix his own problems. We need to say, is that true? And we need to look to the gospel, to tell us those things. So in starting, let's start with Gospel 101. And what better place to turn to than the Apostle Paul under the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to be reading now from uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, which is from verses 1 to 4. And here we go. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast 
to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I, believe, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I had also received, that Jesus Christ died for your sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he uh, ra was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And Father, we just thank you for these amazing words of scripture that can tell us exactly what your gospel is. And we thank you, Lord, for the, the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. So thank you for leading us and guiding us this morning, Lord, and really speaking to us from your word. So there we have the gospel, very simply, that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, and three days later, he rose again, according to the scriptures. So if we look at the gospel, according to the gospel, what is the problem and what is the solution? Well, the first thing, if you look at a problem, when anything is good news, normally what happens for something to be good news is it has to bring positive change to a really bad situation. And that is, that is one of the truths about life and good news. The problem we see from Scripture, rather than a man-made problem, although it is, is something much deeper than that. What we see, Scripture tells us, is that our relationship with God is broken. And because of this, there are terrible consequences for the world. If we look at Genesis 2, it tells the story of how God created man in his own image. And we see in Genesis 3 how man misuses the responsibility given to him by God. And as God's representative, he is tempted by the devil and he falls and he gives away his authority. I want to read a couple of scriptures for you here from Romans and Isaiah. Let me start. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. And now from Isaiah, we have all become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. So what we see that the Bible teaches us about the gospel message is there is really a context to the good news of Jesus. And that, of course, is the bad news. And what the context is, is that as man, our representative, Adam, who was supposed to represent us and represent God upon the earth, did the wrong thing and fell. And because of that, he fell into sin. There were massive consequences in the world. And each one of us since then has been making terrible mistakes. If we delve a little bit deeper into this idea of the results of the fall and how depraved it became and how much this affected the world, we need only to look at Ephesians 2, which tells us that before Christ, we are actually dead in our sins that we are following our own way, we're following the prince of this air, and we are in nature children of wrath, which means God's judgment is upon us. So we face this terrible dilemma, because of course we are spiritually dead because of our sin, separated from God. Apart from that, we are enslaved to our sin, we are trapped, we want to do the right thing, we know what the right thing is, but we are powerless to do it. And last of all, we, of course, 
are under God's judgment because God is just and holy. God must um, punish what is evil to protect what is good because God, as much as God is loving, God is also just. So there we have the bad news, which of course is, is really the diagnosis of what is wrong with the world. And I think when we trivialize it and assume it is anything else than that, we don't go to the root of the problem. And that is what the gospel is about. It is about dealing with the root of the problem and looking for eternal solution rather than just a temporary solution to the crisis, crises and to the situations we face. So if we look now at the, the solution, well, what is the solution? From, from 1 Corinthians 15, it tells us that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. You might ask the question, well, was it really necessary for God to die? Did He have to come? And the answer is really a big emphatic yes. That God had to become man and do something that we could never do. He had to come and live a totally sinless life. Let me read to you from a couple of scriptures just to elaborate a bit more. First, from Romans 5, verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, as by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. And now from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So what we see here is that Jesus had become our new representative. Where our old representative had failed and caused us to, to live in a long line of sin, our new representative, Christ, comes and represents us and lives the perfect life. And he does it in a sinless way. And then he dies for our sins. He takes the penalty upon himself. It's almost like, imagine writing a really difficult exam. You come from a long line of people that have failed all the time. And you have to write a, an exam about advanced mathematics. Something you're not particularly good at. The problem is, is that to pass this test, you need to get 100%. Only 100% is good enough. Otherwise, you will face a penalty. Obviously, you fail quite dismally, and you get horribly not even close to 100%. But what Jesus does is he comes and writes after you. He writes, he gets 100%, and then he takes uh, your failure, your detention, your penalty, and he pays the penalty for that, and you get his distinction in your life so that you can be right with God, and you can live your life in relationship with God as if you have never sinned. And that is the absolute beauty of the gospel. And we know that Jesus lived the perfect life because it also tells us in, a little bit later in, in Corinthians that he was buried, um, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And the fact that Jesus rose again shows that he was an accepted sacrifice by God and that he rose again to show that the way to eternal life had been made open for all who believed in him. I love the effects about this, and I actually want to read to you from 2 Ephesians, verses 4 to, 4 to, 4 to 10, um, which says, 
But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he loved us, he, he, when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places in Jesus Christ, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we see that through this awesome work of Christ living a sinless life, then taking our blame and attributing to us who believe in him a perfect record. We are made alive again, spiritually alive, connected to God. But more than that, he makes us right with him, that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You might ask, but what about fixing problems in the world right now? And that's a great question. God doesn't step on the stage in his full glory to bring justice and to deal with every evil. If he did that, the game would be over and everyone would be judged. The Bible says that he doesn't do that because he wants to have mercy on those who haven't repented yet. But what he does do, as we see from this beautiful passage in Ephesians, is that those he saves, he actually creates them in Christ Jesus to do good works he has planned in advance to do. So when you receive Jesus, he plans good works to bring an end to pain and suffering in this world. And one day, Jesus will return to bring a total end of pain and suffering in this world to obviously create a new heaven and a new earth where there won't be suffering and where every tear will be wiped away. So that is the good news. We've looked today at the problem, the context. What is the real diagnosis of it? And what is the real solution to what we face in the world today? And of course, that is Jesus and his resurrection power. The question is, of course, and many of you will know, is how do I receive this resurrection power? How do I become right with God? And Jesus said this beautifully in Mark 1.15. He said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand or close. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the good news. And obviously, this is a message we have to believe. Repentance means we, we stop going on our own way away from God. We turn around and we choose to follow him. I want to ask you this morning, who do you know in your life that is looking for, for answers to the deep questions? Who do you know who is looking for answers to the fact, why is there so much suffering in the world? Why does it feel like God is so far away from me? What happens when I die? What is my purpose in life? Maybe you are even one of those people looking for answers to those questions. And I want to propose to you this morning that the gospel is really the answer. And the gospel can provide the solution for all these things. 
And God is going to use you as you say yes to Jesus. And maybe you've even said yes to Jesus. He has good works that he has planned in advance for you to do. To bring his love and his comfort to those in this world until he returns one day. So I want to ask that you would pray with me now. And um, whether you want to bow your heads or however you want to do it, I'm going to keep my eyes open as I pray. But it's really between you and God. And I, I, I believe, I really feel that God wants to have an appointed time with you this morning. So Father, I just thank you so much for this word. I thank you that in the midst of chaos, crises, disease, sickness, no matter what it is, we know that the, what the diagnosis is, and we know what the solution is, which is your gospel, your good news. I thank you for your good news. I want to ask, Lord, that we would realize that this is really the only hope of our souls. Lord, I want to just pray for anyone who's out there today who hasn't said yes to you and hasn't believed the gospel and repented. Just right now where they're sitting, Lord, I thank you that they can say, sorry for my sin, God. I want to ask for your forgiveness. I want to turn from my own way where I'm walking without you. I want to turn around and I want to follow you. Fill me with your spirit and thank you for the good works that you have prepared in advance for me to do. And Lord, I pray for all of us that we will be so filled with this gospel message, this gospel message that is the hope of the world, that we will share it wherever we go, whatever the time, and to whomever we meet. And thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your sacrifice upon the cross and that you loved us so much, even though we were still sinners, that you died for us. So thank you, Lord, for everything. In Jesus' name, amen.